Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ball Caps and Bagpipes. I am the Glasgow Comets, John McKellar, and I'm one half of Ball Caps and Bagpipes. And I'm the other half, the more the better looking half, uh, Jason Deer, <laughs> former league president, baseball Scotland Hall of Famer. <laughs> oh, sorry, you set me up on that one. <laughs> Good to see you, Jason. How about them Yankees? Ten wins uh, in a row. That's all right. That's going to by, by ten losses in a row soon enough. So. I don't believe you, Jason. This is the year. This is the Yankees year. I've been saying it all along, if I know. I'm pretty sure I've been saying it all along that Cashman is the best general manager there is and and, and that he's infallible and he never makes mistakes. And go well, Rangers I'm just as waiting well. for you guys to pick up Robinson Cano because, you know, you guys need <laughs> old, old aging guys that uh, need to finish out their career somewhere. Yeah, you got to fill up that retirement home. Exactly. Uh, Jason, we are here to talk about week five already of the 2022 Scottish baseball season. Uh, big weekend of results. Um, the let's let's get right in about it, man. The the first one was an absolutely crushing victory for the Tayport Breakers, who improved to four and one at the weekend by beating the Granite City Oilers by a final score of twenty nine to one. Um, that's a massive scoreline uh, for the Breakers. Um, the Oilers, of course, slipped to zero and five for the year with that one. Um, you've got to give credit where it's due to uh, the Oilers for sticking around. Uh, I did see the tweet that the Breakers put out about the uh, the props that they gave the Oilers for managing to tough it out to the Mayor Cyril. Um, so yeah, a massive victory. Uh, runs uh, runs are plenty for Tayport and of course we've always known that they had the ability to hit the ball and hit the ball well. Uh, they're showing that in, in abundance early on in this season. Uh, in Glasgow, there was the Glasgow derby. Now, the Comets took a 6-0 lead early on. Um, Santino started the game, pitched really well. Um, a variety of uh, arms uh, went, out, went out and through the rest of the way. It didn't work out in the second half of the game. The Galaxy came away 10-6 to victors. Um, they, again, showed a lot of spirit. That's not the first time that the Galaxy have done that in a Glasgow derby this year. They've been behind, they've rallied and showed a lot of spirit and come back to win. Um, so a massive victory for Glasgow. Uh, the Galaxy and in the Edinburgh Derby which I think you popped along for uh, briefly and saw a wee bit of um, the Cannons defeated the Devils 7-4 to improve their perfect record to 5-0 for the year um, you mentioned that uh, something pretty notable did happen in the Edinburgh game yeah it doesn't happen very often uh, but Kit Cyril still home place off Kyle Huffy uh, I was sticking around for that one and, and uh, being Kyle's left-handed pitcher Kit had a pretty big lead. Next thing you know, he was stealing home. And all I could think about is, please don't swing. <laughs> we don't yeah. have a doctor on hand here. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I believe it was Lucas uh, who was up at the plate. He saw him coming and, and made it with plenty of time there. But it, it was quite an impressive steal of home. How often do you see that in Scottish baseball? Have you ever seen that happen before in the game that you played in? Oh, um... No, no, I think it's been maybe once, but even then, it, it, I can't even think about when the last time I saw it. So to be there to actually see it happen, I mean, that's even less rare than home runs for our league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, the single A division, there was only the one game. I think that the uh, the Knights and Breakers game has been postponed to later in the season. The only game that took place was the Glasgow Derby in the A division. The Comets held on and won that one. The final score there was 13-3. to um, the slump continues, I must admit, Jason. <laughs> uh, week five, I need to get like a, a counter on the screen uh, of how many days that this slump's been, been going on. Um, I didn't perform particularly well at the plate. I did draw a walk, uh, stole a couple of bases and scored a run, so I'm getting there. Um, 
the defensive play by the by the the Comets single A team was was much sharper, um, and and I think that we are really growing into our own uh, as a defensive unit, um, and you know the guys got some really key hits, very smart base running, and uh, were able to pull out the win there to improve to two and two on the year. Um, let's quickly go into the standings because uh, I want to get move as quickly as possible into our interview portion tonight. Um, we've got a uh, a guy that probably needs no introduction among Scottish baseball players and uh, people who are interested in the league. Uh, my coach on the Comets and a Scottish baseball legend. Next year, he's going to be celebrating 25 years playing baseball and he's still only 29 years old. Jason Stott will be joining us on the show uh, to have a chat about his long um, baseball journey um, and managing the Comets and how he kind of sees this season going so far. Let's first off do the standings. Uh, in AAA, the Cannons, of course, are 5-0. and They are still in first place by a game ahead of the Breakers, who are currently 4-1 and in second place. Uh, in third place are the Galaxy, who improved to 3-2. and Of course, the Comets are the reverse of that. In fourth, they are 2-3. and uh, The Diamond Devils are still struggling uh, early on this season. They're 1-4. and And, of course, the Oilers, as we mentioned, uh, they're rooted to the bottom still at the moment with an 0-5 record. And in single A, uh, the Breakers and Knights, no change, no movement there. They are both 2-0 and 2-1 and respectively. So the Breakers are ahead by, I guess, a half game. Uh, if you use the old, um, the way, the way that, you know, the Major League Baseball standings get calculated. Uh, the Comets are third with the 500 record on 2-2. Two and two, And the Galaxy are fourth and last at the moment on 0-3. Um, let's, without further ado, bring our guest for tonight on then, Jason. Uh, we've got Jason Stott joining the show now. Right, let's bring him on. And there he is. Hello, Jason Stott. Thank you so very much for joining us on the show. Um, it's great to have you on finally um, by yourself so that we can go a wee bit further into your baseball story and the journey you've had as a player. Now, as I mentioned in the open there, next season, despite the fact that currently you're still only 29 years old, you'll be celebrating 25 years playing baseball. Why don't we start there? How did you become involved in baseball at five years old? Um, and where did your interest come from initially? All right, well, <clears throat> it's a pleasure for, for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so next year it will be 25 years, hard to believe. Um, but it was all um, a bit of a coincidence, to be fair. It was a, a family friend, a neighbour of ours, who uh, created the club back in 1997. Uh, he had experience in his, his homeland of teaching kids baseball and wanted to get it started up in the, the east end of Glasgow. Uh, and my parents decided that me and my sister should go along and the, the rest is history, really. We had, at that time, um, four leisure centres dotted around Glasgow that, that all had um, a bunch of kids going. Managed to get quite a few, um, quite a bit of interest through a few of the schools. And um, yeah, we just we took it from there. It kind of grew into its own mini league in and around Glasgow. Um, and I was one of the one of the few that stuck around, shall we say? Now you say you're one of the few. There are a couple of other guys that have been with you for large parts of most, if not almost, all of that journey. Um, now, obviously, Xander Harrison, uh, former Comets manager, and I think a linchpin of. Glasgow baseball over the years. He was he was around for quite a long time alongside you. Santino De Rosa as well. Um, mm. What are what are some of your memories growing up with those guys um, and learning the game with them uh, and playing together? Do you have any favourite memories of that time coming up as youngsters? Yeah, 
generally speaking, on a Sunday when you would go up and play your games, um, it was a bit of a, a family event. Uh, every weekend, all the the parents got on with each other, and you'd go up and spend could be four or five hours at the field, um, and it was just good fun. We had uh, a kind of top shop set up, and you would have the barbecue on for the, the hot dogs and stuff. And gradually over the the next few years, as some of the kids got older, you ended up having various age levels all playing. So you would have your t-ball, bronco, pony, um, and then again we started to dip our toes in uh, the kind of adult teams as I got a little bit older, which is, it gave the likes of myself, um, Xander, uh, Ross Dini, uh, Michael McCusker, a few of the guys, Santino even, um, Darren, the guys that had been playing since they were young, gave them a platform to go and try their hand against the adult teams when we were kind of of age, so 14, 15. So it was, it was good. Yeah, so let's dive into that then when you were about 14, 15, because we've covered this a couple of, in, in the last couple of weeks, so it's actually been mentioned uh, between Jason and I. Um, you guys, in, I think it was 2007, um, you guys went, uh, with, what, what would it have been, 0 12, 0 14 at the time, Jason, there? We won one game. We won you, won, you won the once. <laughs> so we're correcting the record here because Jason Dale said that you went winless the whole season. You you won the one game that year. Um, 2008, though, was a very different story. You guys flipped that on its head and went and won the league as a bunch of 15, 16, 17-year-olds. What was it between those two years that you think changed? Do you Is there a particular person that you think deserves the credit for putting that unit together and turning it into a winner? Um, or what was it, in your eyes, in your opinion, that made that, that 2008 team so special? Um, that's a good question. I guess you had a, a pool of guys like myself and Xander who were just on the fringe of of being a regular player. We would be more the guys that would go to make up numbers and don't get me wrong, more weeks than not, there would be a few guys with work commitments or they wouldn't be able to play. So we got the opportunity, but I guess it was a couple of years I was bedding into the team and then we eventually managed to kind of get our feet in the door and we were coming into games later as kind of welcome additions. And at the time, we did have a good a good pool of players. Um, but again, if you fast forward a couple of years after that, it was when we kind of had a rocky patch and the club, to an extent, was um, on the, the verge of just calling it a day. There was games that we were showing up with nine people in the door and... The guy who was looking after the team at the time had some family commitments and he was going to be stepping away a wee bit. And that's the kind of, that was the point where me and another couple of the boys said, right, well, we'll take it on. But at the time, we would have been 18-year-old. So it, it did it kind of change year to year. One year, you could have had, um, similar to what it is in current day, you could have four or five fresh faces turn up and all of a sudden, you're, you're really competing. And at the time, it was only one team, so three or four new faces did make a big difference. Next year, if they were students and they were going back uh, to their own country, or if they just lost interest, you were really struggling. So it was it was really uh, challenging year on year, kind of throughout that period. Yeah, I mean, we've we've spoken to Xander Harrison, I believe it was at the end of season two of the show, um, and we actually asked him about that time where you guys, uh, it was kind of you and Xander and maybe one or two others were sort of running the team by committee. Obviously, we're talking about GBA, the single team that existed before we split into the two, which we'll get into a bit later. And uh, he indicated to us that he was kind of reluctant to be a, a coach or a manager. Um, a lot of it 
um, being to do with age. Did you guy? Did you have the same view that it was a lot of kind of unwarranted pressure on both of you, and did that hamper your development? Did you feel as a player? Because uh, obviously we're we're <clears> playing, <throat> we enjoy it. Um, to be so young and, and to have that responsibility thrust on you, that that must have been quite a lot of pressure. Uh, yeah, it was. It wasn't. Um, I'd like to put that down to uh, my declining performance in the last ten years. So we'll say that that's why it is. But um, no, again, it was. I remember it very well. It was a meeting up at our fields, a group of eight or nine of us all standing in a huddle, saying, "Right, so what are we doing here?" Um, and there was an air of silence for a few minutes, and it really fell on us as youngsters to go right. Well, we're still going to play. We're going to be up here. We'll take it forward if you just still up for it. And everyone just kind of nodded, and went, "Okay." And don't get me wrong, there's um, that kind of niggling thought in the back of your head as right. I'm an 18 year old. Am I going to have guys twice my age listening to what I'm going to tell them to do? Do they trust that I know enough about the game? To, to take this forward, but I guess it's testament that little under three years later, we managed to grow the club into two adult teams, which we'd never had before. Absolutely, so we, yeah. I'd say we managed to do a, a half-decent job. For sure, yeah. Um, let's talk about the split then, um, because obviously we've, we've covered the, the title win, and, and there was a bit of a drought. I mean, Edinburgh kind of absolutely hammered the league for the better part of a decade before the Galaxy's three-time uh, consecutive title wins. Um Talk to us about the decision to split the teams into two. Um, you've got the Comets and the Galaxy that came out of the GBA after this, my first full season, I think, 2014. Um, what? How, how early were the discussions taking place for that to start with? Um, I think the initial discussion would have been the year previous. Um, and I guess a big push um, from when Means Ander took over the club was our social media presence, which was near non-existent beforehand mm. and through that and through the effort that we put in uh, when first implementing that um we had a lot of guys that had been in the country for a while that had never knew anything about it um and we were proactively trying to make training sessions a lot more fun um inclusive uh having sessions where you were splitting it into beginners and more intensive training um, and before we knew it, around about that 2012 mark, we had far too many people for one team. Um, and that 2012 season, there was a lot of guys that were showing up, really passionate about playing, putting in a lot of effort, showing up on training and game days and not really getting an opportunity. So we thought it was worth the risk of let's try splitting out of two rather than losing these guys, because if it continues the way it is, they're not gonna. They're not gonna stick around much longer, um, and it it was difficult at first. But yeah, we we got there in the end. Yeah. Now, um, the Comets had a really great first year in twenty fourteen. Uh, we, I think we finished above the Galaxy. I think it was one position above the Galaxy at the time. Now you were with um, the Dark Blues at the time. Um, this was prior to Galaxy. Really, I mean, guys like Luke. And Jim Seahar coming along, who really pushed the Galaxy over the edge, and you guys won a couple of titles before you came over to the Comets. Um, how how did you feel about that that initial season and the success of both sides, and, and how the club went when you broke up and any the two? Um, well, firstly, I think I gave Xander all the best players, which is why <laughs> they 
we finished below them. But um, no, it was good. It was. I, I, I don't think Mirzander, if we're being completely honest, went in with any real expectation. The aim for the end of the year was just to make sure that we'd kept guys interested and that we hadn't went out and repeated our 2007 season or whatever it was you were referring to earlier. We wanted to make sure we got a few wins under our belt. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, we maybe overachieved in a way. Um, but again, at that time, we had some really good players across both teams. Guys that are still with us now, guys that have unfortunately moved on. Um, from the comments you're talking, the likes of Kago and Francis and that, guys that were absolute godsends at the time. Um, later on, the Galaxy made guys like Ricardo show up, who again, just an absolute player. Um, and certainly before his injuries would have been uh, far too good for the league. But it was it, it was peaks and troughs. You had guys show up who were game changers, and um, guys that were that were still learning and, and still try um, get the fundamentals down after a couple of years. So it was again really different um, getting into every season. Now, in addition to being the Comets' current head coach, you're also the president of the Glasgow Baseball Association. Talk to us a wee bit about the extra duties that 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 entails now you've obviously you have like sort of a responsibility to while you're coaching the comments and trying to win us ball games you have a responsibility to ensure there's like some parity and that both sides of the glasgow association are competing every year talk us through your responsibilities there and how you manage to, to juggle that uh yeah it was, uh, i'm kind of blessed in a way that um on the other, the other side of, of Glasgow, um, or the other side of the GBA, should I say, I've got John Tafe, absolute godsend at the time. Uh, certainly after Xander went down to uh, down to London, uh, John's been really instrumental um, in, in helping the club get to the next level. Um, and we are, again, blessed with a good number of folk throughout the club that are willing to put in time and effort in the backroom operations as part of our committee. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would be doing them a disservice if I, I say it was all down to me. There's, there's obviously bits and pieces that you deal with in terms of liaising with the council and um, the field, uh, funding, uh, arranging events and stuff, and generally the, the club finances. But again, we're really managing to, to split the wealth quite a bit. A lot of people have stepped up, so you'll get different people that take on different different roles. Um, secretary, we've got obviously the guys that look after the social media, uh, who are doing a, a key job on that. So I'll be honest, it's it's a role, um, it's a title, should I say? It's it's um, very much a a joint effort with everybody included. Um, and most things now just come down to a bit of a vote or a discussion, and we, we take it forward for there. So purely for uh, constitutional purposes, it's a very much a title. <laughs> right. Oh, let's start, let's step away from the sort of running of things and talk about you as a player. Now you've played, you play first base, you pitch for, for time to time. Uh, I believe you've caught it in in the past. Uh, you've pretty much played, I think, most positions uh, just in the time that I've known you. Um, what what would you consider to be your natural position? Um, I know that you've had a couple of shoulder problems. Uh, in the kind of earlier part of the last decade that I think limited your avail- your availability in certain roles uh, on the field. But like as you kind of grew up, what would you say was your primary position growing up and the one that you were always the best in? 
in, in the younger days, it was always a wee bit of pitching, um, a wee bit of second base, a wee bit of third base. Uh, as I've gotten older, uh, first base seems to be my uh, preference. Um, not as mobile as I used to be. Um, but no, I, I do enjoy first base and it, it, I don't know, I feel as if that's where my, my strengths have lay lately. Don't get me wrong, last, certainly last season, um, I had to bring the rubber arm out quite a few times to see if to the end of a game. But um, if my stats are anything to go by, I didn't do too bad a job. I would certainly agree with that, Jason. Now, I want to talk about 17, 18, 19 Glasgow Galaxy, obviously, you were still with the Glasgow Galaxy, the team that you originally ran. Three straight championships, including the first ever league in Caledonia Cup double. Talk mm. us through that three-year stretch. I know that we've talked about Luke Powell in the past and we've talked about John Taves' uh, impact on the Galaxy and he certainly certainly helped lay the foundation for that. Talk to us about your memories of that team in those three years. <clears throat> that was a cracking, um, cracking time to be, be part of the team. I guess the success all came from me laying the foundations for John Tafe to take over. Um, but no, genuinely, the, the, the reason. I don't think that... he would argue with that. In honesty, <laughs> I don't think he would argue with that. Like you guys, uh, you guys have definitely both played a massive part in the the building of that roster and the the the, the culture of winning at that team. No, it's, it's, a, it's a running joke that I was involved with the Galaxy for a couple of years, consistently finished second, and then as soon as I take a year out. Um, to have a child, John Tafe all of a sudden manages to, to get it over the line. Um, so I thought it was only fair that when I did come back, I let him uh, remain in the position. And it, it was good at that time, I kind of took a step back and, and just enjoyed my time as a player. Uh, knowing fine well that I wouldn't have been able to make every game. Um, but the, I think the reason that that team was so successful was consistency. You know, the, the nine that started... Um, the first year they won the league um, wasn't too dissimilar from the team that won the double two years later. There was a lot of kind of core players that stuck around and when you were having to change it with one or two people here or there. Um, so we got to know how each other play and it, it was really, it was key to that. But I guess you'll have probably seen that trend because I think it was the Devils would have won it four years in a row, the Cannons won it four years in a row. There seemed to be... Um, the, the cup staying in the same city for a good period of time. So I guess that that's particularly the Scottish baseball, that's really key is just getting to grips with your your own teammates and actually figuring out um tactics and stuff and actually being able to, to play as a, a unit. Absolutely. Um now twenty twenty we, we didn't have a season due to coronavirus. However, you still managed to win a trophy. So you were a four-time consecutive trophy winner. Uh, the Comets, of course, playing one, I think, one competitive game that year, the Glasgow the Glasgow City Trophy game, uh, which the Comets won, largely off the back of David Flores, who made his debut in that game and absolutely stormed it. Um, so you've won, you won silverware four years in a row, um, as, uh, of course, you, you, you made the trip to... You made the, the trip across the divide into the Glasgow Comets. Talk to us about how that came about, because obviously we've discussed Sander. He was in charge of the team for a couple of years. He headed down south for uh, for what reasons? Um, and then I think from there it was uh, John Nelson took over, former MVP of the league, um, a guy who's probably got as much 
you know, history in baseball as Jason Dare has. Um, and then from there, it was Gio Kotler to co- took over for a year or two. Um, obviously, Gio retired at the end of 2019. When was the decision made that you would make that trip across the divide? Um, and why why was that decision made at the time? Uh, it's, it's a good question. Um, there was, was a wee bit of trial and error after Xander moved down south. Um, there was a couple of willing parties looking to get involved in it. Uh, and I was actually contemplating doing it a bit earlier. Um, but we, we gave Johnny's run out, done very well. We gave Gio his run out after John wanted to take a bit of time out. Um, Gio also done very well. Um, but I guess we felt that after the Galaxy won, you know, kind of three in a row, um, at the time, and again, it kind of goes back to what you're saying about as. Uh, president of the club and try to keep the interests of the entire club um, at, at the forefront. The the teams were a bit uneven probably after that period of time. Comets had lost a few. Galaxy were still strong. Um, not that me moving over would have made a massive difference, but I thought it, it certainly evened things up a bit. Um, and again, I was I'd been there, done that in terms of the coaching role. Uh, would like to think I know the game fairly well. And obviously, I had a relationship with quite a, quite a few of the comments anyway. So, I thought I would do a Kenny Miller and uh, jump the ship. <laughs> I just hope you're not going to go all the way, Kenny Miller, and go back. That's the only thing. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, so, talk to us then about. So, you've been in charge of the Galaxy. Now you're in charge of the Comets. Uh, talk to us about uh, how how is it different? I guess would be the, the simple way of asking the question. In what way is managing the comets and being a, a player, obviously on the comets, you're an active player still. In what way is that different from being part of the galaxy, or are there any similarities between the teams that we might not notice or take for granted when we're on the bench shouting abuse at each other on a Sunday? I, I'll be honest, it's probably not the answer you're expecting, but it's very, very similar. As a player, you would think that it's it's maybe different, but um, having been one of the only people that can comment on it. The other one, I guess, being Albert. Albert's obviously played for both as well, but not really from that, that coaching perspective. Um, it was, I think, both teams that we've got here in Glasgow are um, thrive very much on the social aspect of it. Um, and I wouldn't say any team does that more than another. So I would say it is very similar. Um, what I would say is that the current squad that we've got with the, the comments are now are very uh, very eager to learn um, and that's only been helped with the addition of the, the A-League, the Development League. Got a lot of guys that are really um, putting the same amount of effort into that as what you would expect some of the guys that have been there for a bit longer to put into the Triple A League. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would, I would say very similar in ways but um, certainly a group of players are now I can see us really going places in the future. <laughs> now, I've got a good comment here uh, from Nick, um, and I'm going to highlight it here. Should Albert be permanently banned from third base coaching? <laughs> Absolutely. Albert should be, <laughs> Albert should be nowhere near um, base running decisions. <laughs> now, you give him a hard time, but Albert, you've been teammates with Albert for like decades quite frankly yeah, um i you've, you've seen him on both sides of the glasgow club you've 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 managed them you've played alongside them uh, how much of a how much of a stud is he obviously he won the 
so the the home run crown last year, despite the fact that he played, I think, most of the year on one ankle and had basically thrown his arm off in 2019 and tried to pitch for us. Um, talk about his impact on both Glasgow sides, because obviously he's been a part of winning teams uh, in both in both colours. Yeah, uh, again, but of a a blessing in disguise when he showed up. Um, you could tell right off the bat he was a good player. Um, and he's been consistently a good player. Um, he'll not admit it, but he's nowhere near as good now as what he used to be. Um, and I can say that. I, I know for certain. But I'm saying um, No, still <laughs> absolutely uh, cracking player. Um, and I'd imagine if, if anybody in the league um, was to pull together uh, a kind of all-star squad of who they would want to go and play in a tournament, Albert would be would be in the mix. Um, unfortunate that he has. He's had his kind of niggling injuries over the last couple of years. Um, certainly not um, much of an option in terms of pitching anymore. He, again, would be the first to admit that. Um, but he's his own worst enemy. He wants to go into a season and... Uh, make it a bet with everybody that he's not going to strike out for the full season. And then you see him in the first game going up and swinging, uh, swinging it rubbish for his first at bat. And then he just, honestly, he just beats himself up at every opportunity. But you know for every strikeout, you're going to be getting um, three on base for the, the rest of the game and probably eight stolen bases along with that. So, nice, really, really good player, really key yeah. player. Yeah, that boy's faster in one ankle than I've ever been in, in two feet. <laughs> it's crazy how, <laughs> how nonchalantly the guy can still steal a base, even with all the injury problems that he's had. Now, you mentioned tournaments. Um, I want to quickly jump uh, jump on that, and then we'll move on to a wee bit more about sort of, um, memories and stuff like that, favourite memories. Um, you've played in a few tournaments yourself. You've won at tournaments at several different levels. Why don't you tell us some of your favourite memories of playing uh, tournaments, both as a as a child back in the day and uh, more recently when we've had things like Belfast and Kent? Yeah, um, certainly some of the best memories when uh, when it comes to baseball. Uh, first one I could remember would be uh, when we went to Florida. Uh, it would have been 2003. I want to say, um, again, I, I was one of the, probably one of the youngest there. Um, wasn't necessarily taking a long to play such. Uh, I was more there to go to Disneyland, but it was um, it was it was great. It was a lot of the older guys were there, and at the time, I looked up to a lot of them. Um, guys like Winnie Tone, guys that had been there since I was small. Uh, so I guess in a way, these guys were kind of role models. Um, and it was great to just go. I'd obviously never been to America before at that point. Um, and it, it was amazing. It was just a different different level altogether, especially if you're if you're quite young and had only ever seen baseball played in Toe Cross. Um to then go over and see the level at which some of these high schools and that play at was, mm -hmm. was great. So that was the first one. Um uh, again, I, I we had some really fun times out at the Little League um qualifiers in Poland. We done that for a couple of years. That was really good getting to to play against some different countries. Um again, it's not until you go to these things that you realise how how high the level can be at your age group. We thought we were absolute world beaters when it came to baseball and you're going and um getting absolutely bashed off teams like Belarus. And you're like, right, maybe we're not so good. 
Um, but again, that just the the, uh, the experience and, and the memories that you take with it are, are really, really good. Um, moving on from there, when we started playing pony, so you're talking about kind of anywhere from 14 up to 16, 17-year-old, we used to go down and play in uh, Frank Collins tournament in the north of England. So that was against teams like Cartmel Valley, Halton, um, and we actually kind of, at that point, um, we were a group of guys similar to what I was saying about the Galaxy Ella. We'd played together for a, a good number of years. We all knew the, the strengths that we had. Um, and we actually we performed at that tournament for, for a good couple of years. Um, off the back of that, when we we started the adult team, we managed to get a few friendlies in that, um, arranged with a lot of the northern teams. Um, after that, yeah probably looking oh well, sorry probably about that same time as when i was playing for great britain um had a few tournaments abroad so we, we played in turkey czech republic um there was a tournament in sweden um just again amazing memories playing with guys that um that you'd, you'd never ever met before and some of the guys that i still speak to now kind of 14 15 year on so good memories and again just kind of Everybody was there for the same reason. Everyone had the same passion. And then, as you said, kind of moving into the, the more recent years, uh, playing in Belfast was always a good laugh. Um, more so for the, the activities that happened off the field. But it was um, not good, really good that things like that still get arranged and that they mm-hmm. still are a, a passion um, and an interest in, in doing that. So uh, for as long as I can, I'll, I'll be making sure that we, we still get to as many as we can. Brilliant, man. Now, uh, we want to wrap up shortly. I've got two more questions that I want to ask you that I'm going to source from people uh, in the in the Messenger chat. They're unfortunately, they're busy, so they're not able to join us live tonight. Um, before I do, I just have one last thing to ask about the, the comments, and that's the basic one. Um, so we've had sort of fits and starts to begin the year in the comments. Obviously, the, the single A team, two and two. Um, it's, it's an okay record, and certainly... You know the league is still well within reach if we can get a run of games together. Um, slightly less successful in the AAA team. That's two and three at the moment. Um, it's disappointing, or are you just are you quite philosophical about it and happy to just see how it all plays out toward the second half? Obviously, we have a full season this year, so it's not panic stations at this point like it would have been um, at this stage of last season when it was a shortened year. Um, what's the goal the rest of the way, and how do we how do we pick up the momentum and get and get back to sort of challenging in that, that top three? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Um, disappointing to to a degree. But again, with an air of realism, there's some other teams in the league, certainly from a AAA perspective, who are um, looking particularly strong. Um, and we've unfortunately had, uh, myself included, a few guys out with, with other commitments and some niggling injuries. So it just goes back to that kind of, age-old story of you've got a squad there and if your strongest nine show up, you could really compete and you're going to be sitting with a relatively strong bench as well. But it's just waiting on those opportunities to, to kind of show and highlight what, what you can actually bring to the team. So I guess the game that we played a, a couple of weeks ago in Edinburgh against the Devils highlighted that. Um, wasn't necessarily our strongest nine, but we had a few key players and some key positions and we, we managed to get it over the line against a fairly strong Devils team that day. Um, so it's it's, um, it's hit and miss. I'd like to think, certainly as people start to 
become more apparent, more visible over the next few weeks, we'll start to get that momentum going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my mistake, I have three other questions that I've sourced from comments because uh, I'm going to display one of them here. I have to ask you why you've shat it from fantasy this year. <laughs> Thanks for the comment, Chris. Too busy. Too busy. And, yeah. um, I just generally, when it comes to fantasy baseball, there's too much to keep up with. It's, yeah. uh, it can be a bit of a minefield. And a lot of the guys that are in our competitive league are the guys that are up at six in the morning trying to make one of their transfers for the week for a guy who's going to be uh, pitching that night. So I just, I was fed up of losing, to be fair. <laughs> That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Now, I want to uh, jump into the messenger chat here. Um, I've got one for Andy Vaughan, um, who I think is one of those guys that you alluded to earlier, the committee members who are really putting a lot into the team um, yes. and, and helping carry some of the load for you. Um, so I have to ask you, uh, you got married this year and then in brackets, congratulations, which hearty congratulations for me as well for that. Being totally honest, what was the more wonderful moment? Your wedding day or throwing a no-hitter for Team Great Britain? <laughs> it would it would be the latter if it actually happened, but again, that's a bit of a running joke. <laughs> it was uh, it was a fairly decent pitching performance, and I like mm -hmm. to tell people it was a no hitter, but it wasn't. Really. <laughs> so when we say fairly, when we say fairly decent, how good are we talking here? Was it? I, it was actually. I didn't even start the game. I came in as a relief pitcher um, in a game against Romania, I believe. Um, and, and we managed to see the game over the line, but I think the final score was 15-14, so it couldn't have been that good. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go for uh, my wedding day. Your wedding day, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's smart. Um, so I've got a couple more here. So uh, from Said, who just recently returned to the comments, he's another guy who's who's played on both sides of Glasgow. He also played a bit in Edinburgh last year. Um, Said asks, what's the story behind the space-themed Glasgow teammates and were there any alternative names that almost made it official before Comets and Galaxy was set? That's a good question. Um, again, it was a bit of a kind of group vote at the time. We'd, we're going to split into two. And we shortlisted, I think it was maybe at the time, six or seven team names. Um, and we we just kind of put it to a vote. And then kind of over time, the ones that had the least votes, throw them out, put it out to a vote again for just mm -hmm. the more common three or four. Um, and then I think a lot of the people out of the options that were left um, liked the idea of Comets and Galaxy because they were, they were kind of interlinked and, and had a, a theme going. Yeah. So I think the final three came down to Galaxy Comets and kind of resurrecting the old Glasgow Stars name. But we wanted to kind of leave that where it was and kind of give them the, their own history to maintain. So we, yeah. we went with Galaxy and Comets. There was the Stars that was kind of out, out with that. There was um, the Bulldogs, uh, the Brewers, which was a lot of people liked the Brewers because of the Tenants. <laughs> the, the link to the tenants factory. Um, and we were gonna we were gonna approach them for sponsorship. Um there was the Panthers, which I think mm -hmm. a few people liked, but it turns out that's the name of a Glasgow-based um wheelchair rugby team, if I'm not mistaken. So we mm -hmm. decided to also leave that with them. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the only other name was the Glasgow Rockets 
which in Scotland is a bit of an ambiguous term. So yeah. we thought we, thought <laughs> we would um, we part that. We didn't want to be seen as much as we might be a team of rockets. We didn't want to be branded that way. Yeah. One last question for the boys um, from Gordon. How do you feel about the progress of the development league and the team, uh, the single A team in the Comets camp? A few of the boys making appearances in Triple A. Um, and how are you feeling? about the Knights this weekend. Well, obviously, this is going to be the, the third part of the early season trilogy. We've lost both of the first two games by very close margins, 7-6 and then 7-5. Seven, uh, 7 seems to be the magic number for the Edinburgh teams. They're all winning by 7 to something. Um, so how do you feel about the progression that Glasgow Comets have made in single A and uh, how are you feeling about this Sunday? Uh, big, big fan of the development league and, and what it's doing for uh, players personal developments and our growth in the game but certainly how it's helped us um, at this year as I said a, a few players missing for key games and um, certain people's scenarios dictate that they maybe can't play in a away game like Santino for example is maybe going to struggle this season with, with work commitments um, so I think a lot of guys have stepped up in a way there's more opportunity there this year maybe than maybe more so than last year for guys who um, are showing an element of improvement that are going to be called upon. And, and when we do need to call upon them, they're, they're going to go in and, and try their best. So again, go back to the game against the Devils, we probably had kind of, say, four guys come straight off um, the single game, straight into the triple and And we, we got the W and managed to, to see it out. So... Um, Really, really happy with the way it's going. Really happy with with the improvements that people are making, and hopefully, um, we'll see in within a season or two guys really start to step up a bit and and maybe not get as much game time in the single league because they're really portraying themselves to be more of a triple A guy. For sure. Um, now that's going to be everything for me. I know that Jason, uh, you want to finish off with uh, with the question you wanted to ask. Um, we'll let Jason go after that. Um, so by all means, there. Yeah, no worries. First of all, people probably know Jason was probably the toughest out in Scottish baseball I ever faced. We had some epic battles up the plate, and he seemed to foul about 10 pitches off in every at-bat and then end up lacing the double to left center. It drove me insane every time I had a pitch against Jason. So uh, I'm glad to hear you're still doing it after 24 years in the league. Thanks very much. So so we had a question for you. We gave you a little heads up. So we wanted you to put together your all-time Glasgow team. So let's hear who you got for your top nine guys and where they play. Uh, this was actually particularly difficult. Um, and I'm pretty sure me and Xander have had similar conversations in the past about who we would put put in there. Um, so I've, I've pulled something together. Um, we'll start with, again, some of the guys, if they're watching... Um, who have only been involved for a few years might not might not know some of these names, but um, th there's guys that have been with us at, at certain points of our history that have just been a different class. And I'd really like to see um, what the team would have been like if a few of those guys were still around. Um, but I'll start on the mound. Uh, as pitcher, I have picked Luke Powell, um, number of guys that could have fit the fit the bill. Um, but Luke just brought that that something extra to the team, um, certainly from a, a coaching perspective as well. Um, by no means the, the fastest guy that we've ever seen pitch in, in the league, but um, he just had a sort of 
uh, control and a demand. He knew what to throw at the right time. He had a good variety, a really good arsenal of pitches to throw. Um, and again, at the plate, it was it was an absolute um, beast at the plate as well. So I would go look on the mound. Uh, behind the plate, I've went for one of the one of the founding members, if you would, the guy I was referring to who, who started the club. It was actually his son. So I've went with Benito behind the plate, um, who again, back in the day, absolute cracking player, um, actually had a, an air of um, a switch hitter about him. He, he liked to, to bat both left and right-handed. Um, and he was that good that kind of back in the day, he had uh, a few months uh, playing over in the States. Um, he went over to play for, I think it was Auburn, I'm not too sure. Um, but he played over there, and, and again, he came back. Uh, over time, he, he had other interests and stuff, and kind of ended up moving away. Um, and I, I used to still speak to him outside of, of baseball, and he was always talking about coming back. It never really never really happened, but again, cracking player, and a really good catcher. So I went with him at um, catcher. Uh, first base, um, John Nelson. Um his, his bat says it all really. It would be a much stronger team with him in there than it than it wouldn't. And again, just for everybody around him, it was really good at giving hints and tips and stuff and um and really big on the social aspect of it as well. One of the first guys to always offer um his uh, services at the pub um and, and ask if anybody wanted a pint. So big big John at first base. Um the second base I've went with a guy I'm not sure if you remember him, Jason. Um, guy called Chad, um, Canadian guy who joined us. Um, that would have been bef- quite a few years before we split into two teams. Um, Chad was a bit of jack of all trades. Um, obviously played at a pretty decent level when he was younger, over in Canada. Um, really good pitcher for us. Uh, played probably everywhere in the field, and again, just really. Um, key on some of the, the coaching aspects of it and, and helping everybody around them. So Chad at second base. Um, a more familiar name to some, if you would, uh, at shortstop, John, you'll certainly know, uh, would be Francis. Absolutely. So yeah. Francis at shortstop. Um, One of the again, best players I've ever played beside in, in my yeah. time. Again, really nice guy. Uh, came along, um, always had a smile on his face and would always, always put in a decent performance. So went Francis at shortstop. Third base was a hard one. I've went with a guy uh, who I think was introduced int- and initially introduced to us by Albert. It's a guy called Papo, um, Cuban guy who who played for us for a number of years. Um, liked to show up um, for a game at the weekend um, with a, a wee drop of whiskey in his bag to to help him get through the day. But um, absolutely cracking guy. Him and Albert, when they were together, um, what were a good laugh. Um, used to bounce off each other. But Papo was was always good for a few home runs every season. Um, really solid player, so put him at third. Um, outfield again was was difficult to choose from. We'll start with left field. Um, I've went with Darren, Darren McCulloch. Um, again, a, a mainstay in the team for for a good number of years, and obviously. Uh, was our coach when we were younger. He was in a similar position to what me and Xander were, that he took on the team when he was of a slightly younger age, and, and he's seen it through up until handing over to ourselves. But Darren, for 
being in a similar position to me and only really ever playing in Scotland and, and learning kind of through our coach that we had when we were younger and kind of learning the game myself, ended up kind of playing to a really good level. Um, I'd like to think you agree with that, Jason. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Centre field, I thought I'd give my, my main man a shout. I've went with Xander. Um, and Kind of got better wage, but actually back in the day was a bit of a demon on the mound. Um, didn't have necessarily any overpowering stuff, but really put a lot of his focus and spare time into kind of learning um, different pitches and, and try to kind of keep people off their feet. Um, and then certainly ever since I've seen him move down to London, he's obviously playing down there and he's, he's starting to to get a good bit of competition and he, he can obviously still play to this day. So I would give him a shout in centre field. And last but not least, in right field, just to wind him right up, I've put Albert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt that he could play there if he, if he ever wanted to, but that certainly is... You wouldn't see Albert in right field <laughs> No. Um, a, a few times we've had a couple of run-ins because he outright refuses to play outfield despite the fact it's to go and play centre field and that he would do an absolute job there. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was quite fitting to put him in right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate that, Jason. Um, now, I know you're quite pressed for time. We've actually gone over, so uh, I'm going to let you go. I uh, just wanted to quickly say before you go tonight, um, congratulations uh, in advance on 25 years in the game. Um, you've been a linchpin of this league. Uh, you were the, the first person that I came across uh, when I approached um Baseball, uh, the Glasgow Baseball Association. I think uh, it was Xander that uh, replied to my message, but the first person I saw uh, in terms of coaches when I went to my first training was yourself. Um, I've hated you as an opponent. <laughs> I've uh, begrudgingly had to stand back and admire your ability as an opponent, and uh, I've been absolutely chuffed to bits with how you've uh, how you've adapted to running the Comets and coming over and being a teammate and helping us to win that Glasgow Trophy um, back in 2020 in the strides that we've made in the last year or two since you've been along. So um, that's all I wanted to say tonight. Um, and we'll let you go if there's nothing else from you, Jason, there. No, no, I think I think Jason has the second longest tenure in baseball in Scotland, only outdone by Wolfie. So yeah, who's who's been who's been around for sixty years or so? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you're gonna have to stick around quite a bit longer if you're gonna equal his record. Uh, some some great company you brought there with. Um, <laughs> but I to be fair if um Jim Seahan, uh, Geo, or anything to go by, and I'm still playing at their age, I'll have another 25 year in me. Hope so, man. Uh, see you on Sunday, man, and, uh, and, and thanks again for joining us tonight. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Cheers, Jason. So that was Jason Stott, uh, coach of the Glasgow Comets. It's been a long time coming, getting him on. Uh, I think it more than lived up to the hype. We've, uh, we've had a really great interview there. Uh, what a great guest. And like I said, man, he's been a linchpin of Glasgow baseball for as long as uh, you know anybody. And he's uh, he's only he's only he's only 29 years old. He's hopefully got a long, long tenure still to go. Absolutely. You know, it was good to hear some of the stories that guys didn't know, maybe his younger playing career, playing for the juniors, and where they actually played there, because they actually traveled quite a bit there and, and they were quite a very good team for many years there before they actually joined the league there. And you can obviously, if you look back at the history and see just how good they've been throughout the years. And, and, you know, Jason was right there all the time. Like I said, I wasn't joking about seeing being, he was one of the most frustrating batters I always faced, hated facing yeah. Jason every time. 
Yeah, guys like him, Xander, Santino, um, Mick McCusker, Albert, I think, came along a bit later, but those guys have got to be like the Scottish baseball equivalent in Man United's class in 1992. You know, they're just guys who are all so good at the game, so knowledgeable about the game, and they've, uh, they've obviously gone from being just kids playing uh, for the love of it, um, doing a bit of travelling, getting to, to play against uh, teams in all sorts of different countries and all over the world. Um, they've grown into young men who've went and won a championship against all odds, and now, obviously, you've got Jason running the Comets um, and his president of Glasgow Baseball Association. Um, what a story he's had so far. It's far from over. Absolutely, yeah. Like I said, uh, I'm curious. We talked. There was talk about testimonial next year for his 25th year. I might have to actually come back for that one and yeah. get an ending or two there and uh, dust everything <laughs> off. I hope to see it, man. I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there to uh, uh, video it and commentate on it and just rinse you. Quite honestly, <laughs> <laughs> you'll still be in your hitting slump then. I'll have more hits for you than one game of the year. <laughs> well, you know, I hope not, but <laughs> I'm not going to get too excited. Um, I mean, let's say pick a bat up in five years, so yeah, we'll be all right. <laughs> I can't seem to keep a bat for more than five minutes. So they seem to keep breaking. Uh, let's move on to the close of the show. Um, we will quickly go over the schedule for this coming Sunday. So it's week six already. Uh, the AAA schedule for this Sunday, the 8th of May. There's only two games on. Uh, there's the Galaxy up in Aberdeen to face the Oilers. Um, we'll see if the Oilers can get off that schneid, as they say, and, and get that first one of the year, or if the Galaxy can improve to 500. Um, and the Comets head out east to face the Cannons again. That's uh, obviously the league-leading Cannons, 5-0. and You know, they're, they're the best team in Scotland at the moment. It's going to take a massive effort from us guys um, to get anything from that. Um, should be a, a bloody good game of baseball, though. In single you've got a full tab. Uh, the Breakers are down in Galaxy to face the they're down in Glasgow to face the Galaxy, I should say. Um, yeah, Breakers at Galaxy. And uh, the Comets and the Knights, as I've mentioned earlier, we're going to close out that early season trilogy of games out in Edinburgh. Um, the Knights have taken the first two, 7-6 and 7-5. Both very close games, very entertaining games and, and games that we're fun to be part of. Um, so it's going to be interesting to, to go out there and try and get that win finally. And hopefully the third time will be the charge for us, the charm for us. Um, so yeah, single A. So four games all in, two in each uh, division. It uh, should be a good weekend of baseball. Absolutely. I'm going to try to make, do my best and come down. It's been fun to pop down and, and, and catch an hour of games. I hide everyone. And, and it seems like there's been an old timer every time I've gone down there. So a uh, yeah. big shout out to Chris Lettingham, who was down there. And we had a nice catch up in there. Um, and yeah, it's it nice to see everyone kind of still, you know, you may not be playing more, but pop in at least, you know, go and support the team when you can. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, I'll hopefully see you over there uh, on Sunday. Uh, that's going to do it for the show tonight, then, unless there's anything else you wanted to cover. There is one more thing. So we want to wish Paul Houston and his partner Fiona congratulations. They had a baby boy. So it was Theo David Houston, a.k.a. Teddy. It was born on Friday the 29th, and just let everyone all know there. And uh, as far as you know, the, boy, the baby boy is yeah. doing well. So congratulations for all of us over here. <laughs> Um, they've been a bit of fan of the show, so we're always a big fan of uh, the growing the baseball family. Absolutely, uh, welcome to the world, Teddy, and big congratulations to Glasgow Galaxy alum uh, Paul Houston and his partner. Um, that's amazing, uh, amazing news. Uh, fatherhood, there's nothing better than it. We both know that, Jason. So uh, all the best to Paul and his partner and the, the, the new arrival. Um, Paul Convoy's left us a comment. Wolfie is going to be 75 on Friday. 
So a wee shout out to him, the the legendary Wilfie, who's been involved in Scottish baseball longer than quite frankly anyone in history. Seventy five years young, and I don't see any. I don't see him stopping anytime soon. No, not at all. I, I think he'll he'll be on the the baseball field as as long as he can. So uh, yeah. that's good. We'll have to see how. I forget. I need to go and see Wolfie and give him a big hug and see how he's doing. Yeah. So um, I think at this rate, Wolfie might be the first person ever to posthumously umpire a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. So <laughs> it was good yeah. to see. He was he, I saw he umpired a game up in Tayport recently, and I was like, oh, it's good to see Wolfie still yeah. out there. So um, yeah, I, I'm not going to ask about the strike zone, but you know, he was up there. I think I think he's more. He's taken to umpiring in the field more. I think he's days behind the plate of. Probably or at least winding down, if not coming to an end. Um, but yeah, he's still he's still an asset to Scottish baseball. The guy knows more than anything. He's probably forgotten more about Scottish baseball than I'll ever learn. Um, quite frankly, uh, and it would be the case for most people. Um, so yeah, big shout out to Paul, Fiona, Terry, uh, and Wolfie, who's seventy five. Uh, and Wolfie, yeah, who, who we're gonna try to get on the show. We're gonna try to do an in person interview with yeah. Wolfie. Because uh, I don't think he's going to have a computer with a webcam to us into the show, but <laughs> no, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll try, try to sit him down for an hour and uh, get some stories out of him and, and just see where it goes. And then uh, we'll play it to you guys maybe over the summertime because I know I'll be away for uh, a week or two and we'll be able to do a live show and yeah. uh, you, you never know the work schedules. So yeah. we might have to just kind of uh, get Wolfie down for an hour. And I know we have to do the same with Geo. And uh, we've got a couple of legends of baseball. Uh, a Scottish baseball that we've been in touch with and, and hopefully will come on the show as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's going to do it for tonight. We've actually almost reached an hour now. Um, only thing left to say is let's go Rangers. <laughs> Beat the fucking Penguins. <laughs> I don't know. It's hockey chat. I don't know. It's hockey chat. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone, and thank you very much for joining us. Uh, good luck this weekend to everyone playing. Absolutely, and especially me, because <laughs> I need it. <laughs>